are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. So I bring on guests who have a particular perspective or experience that I think expands that conversation. I also draw on my meaning and work research I've been doing over the last 15 years, as well as from my own consulting experience, including the work I do today at Insignium, which is a global management consulting firm. I'll get to the program in just a moment, but let me thank my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. Jobbing.com is the leading locally focused job board in the nation. They are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard and giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Great partnership. Thank you, Jobbing.com. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We were on the air with Dr. Darren Martin, who is the culture architect and an author and keynote speaker. We talked about the incredibly low rate of 29% employee engagement in the average company in the United States, what some companies are doing to encourage that dismal rate to make, to make it even worse, and what the winners are doing to drastically improve it. With us this week is Diane McClay, who is a certified professional whole person coach who helps midlife professionals navigate career transitions through choice and courage to make meaningful change. She's also the co-author of Dreaming Big, Being Bold, inspiring stories from trailblazers, visionaries, and change makers. We'll be talking about the key concepts she coaches from and her own journey from once her own dream job to what she does to help others find their own dream careers. Diane joins us today from Portland, Oregon, where I lived for several years. So happy to live vicariously through your experience, Diane. Welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you, Elise. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I'm super excited. Me too. I uh, really appreciate that our last conversation. I love our energy. I love our synergy. And I want to give you over to my listeners. So let's jump in. Awesome. Let's do it. Okay, so some context to start here is always good. So I want to just help our listeners understand. It's always interesting to hear people say why they do the work that they do. So your story of being catapulted into change from a career you loved to inventing something totally new. What's your story? Well, my story is that I have had the opportunity and the blessing to uh, reinvent into a second dream career. Uh, as a kid, I wanted to be a park ranger. Uh, I had the opportunity to get a degree in recreation management in college. And then the next 22 years of my life was nothing but a dream where one job ended. There was always another exciting job out in the field of recreation uh, waiting for me. Uh, I did all the right things. I moved into, you know, I acquired responsibility. I acquired rank. I moved up in promotions. I moved around the country and finally landed in the agency that I felt like was my family and my home. And I moved into management at that point. Uh, I was an awesome field operator. When I moved into management, um, some things changed. The value systems uh, that I was working with as a field operator were different in management. And then as a new manager, I made some mistakes. And those mistakes actually led me to kind of a painful separation with my agency. Uh, at the time, it was a choice that I made because I felt like the finally the the parallel path of my personal life and my professional life were now splitting in two different directions. Um, fast forward, uh, I had the opportunity to work in a rebound job, realized that was just a paycheck, 
And then I realized that I had a deeper calling to help people, to be connected to people and use synergy and uh, empathy to help people work through similar situations. So I jumped into life coaching, writing, and having the opportunity to run my own business. And, you know, you are incredibly articulate. I, I've really appreciated about you and, frankly, learned something from you in that way, too, Diane. So it's, it's incredible. So all the more reason that I'm interested, if you can just say, why did you want to be a park ranger? What was it about that field that drew you or that position? You know, my dad worked in a fisheries division for the state of Michigan for 30 years, so I think that partly led into to my desire to be uh, to care for the outdoors and to care for uh, the animals that might be in it and to connect people to it. Um, my dad always said, you know, figure out what you love to do and then figure out how to get paid for it. Or conversely, he said, you know, don't ever get paid to do what you love because it'll turn into a job and you'll hate it. And I learned that somewhere in the middle there was a balance between the two. Uh, I, I had this magical belief in first grade that to be a park ranger, you had to be born inside a national park boundary and know the wildflowers by the time you were five in Latin. And that wasn't true. It really was just education and commitment and dedication and following through with something that called me. So that's what I did. Mm, brilliant, brilliant. And I, I have to, if you don't mind, I appreciate so much the authenticity of how you connect and communicate in, in this conversation already. I'm interested in the nature of that rebound job that was just a paycheck. Can you share a little bit about that? I can. You know, after I left my, my dream job, um, I, I live in a small town out here in the Pacific Northwest, and I, you know, I have a lot of life skills in me. I, I know how to handle people, difficult situations, money. I'm a problem solver by nature. That's one of my superpowers. And I literally walked down to my local hardware store. I knew that they had somebody leaving on their staff. And I walked up to the owner, and I, I basically told him why he needed to hire me. I didn't even ask for a job. I said, hey, I know you have an opening. Here's what I can do for you. Short of learning what products you have and what the pricing is, I can jump right in and hit the ground running, and I can benefit your customers. And part of the reason that sold him on me for the job is I, had, I told him that I had been a consumer of my community for a long time, meaning I shop here, but I don't really contribute to the community. And I wanted to build my network. I wanted to get to know the people in my small town. And what better way to do that than in a real retail sales job in your in your, your local hardware store? How could he say no, right? How could he say he no? He didn't. He said, when could you start? <laughs> and the, the irony was the I actually technically started for him before the final resignation papers hit my, old, my whole office. Wow. So. Well, I want, I want to talk about that, Diane, because I know that there are listeners right now who have been in that position where they've had to walk away from a long career that they loved. And maybe it wasn't their choice. Maybe it wasn't their, their, what they really wanted, but that's how it went down. I want to understand what was hard to walk away from. Oh, gosh. I mean, when you put 22 years, I'm, I'm 49. So at the time, I was 45 when this happened. So literally half my life. My joke is I was institutionalized for four, you know, for half my life. Um, but, but I, what was hard is that was my family that, you know, I spent more time with those people than I spent with my real family. Uh, that was my network. It was my identity. It was my community. It was the way I defined myself. You and I talked earlier in a different conversation about what identities we um, assume when we're at work and when we're at home. And so imagine taking everything you know about yourself and then overnight having it be gone. The uniform I wore was no longer in my closet. I actually had to make choices about what kind of shirts I wore every day. It sounds <laughs> weird, but I never had to do that. 
I didn't have a resume. I didn't have a plan B. And so the biggest thing that was the loss for me was my network in my community. The, the people that I coached, the people that I worked with, uh, they were truly the hardest thing to walk away from. Mm, I really get that. I, we, we work with a lot of Fortune 500 companies that when they lose people, they periodically go through downsizings, et cetera, and they lose people that, just like you said, they've been working with for 10, 20, sometimes more years, and it feels like a family. So it feels like a death when they, when they leave. I really appreciate what you said there. You know, and the, the, thank you. And I think the hard part for me was that I had a lot of shame you know, even though it was my choice to leave, at the time that I was leaving, I felt like I had no choice. And there was a lot of guilt and shame and embarrassment that I carried with me as I left the office. You know, there was a lot of that, well, what are people saying about me before I left? When, when you have situations like this, um, the, the people that are left behind don't get the answers they need to have closure. Uh, the people that are in charge don't give answers because they're either legally not allowed to or it's easier not to. And so, so it was a kind of an awkward death or an awkward closure because I didn't get to really connect with the people that were meaningful to me. They didn't know if they could reach out to me. And there was probably about a year that, it, that there was sort of this in limbo of what's the right thing to do? Do I reach out to the people who I left behind or do I just let them move on with their job and try to heal on my own? Mm, how incredibly painful that drawn out experience. I can't imagine. It, yeah, it was. But I would tell you today and I would tell your listeners that I, I'm a better version of myself because that happened and because mm. I had that pain and because I had that experience. Oh, I can appreciate that. I certainly think that my, my divorce has ushered in a whole new level of being for me, and I'm grateful for that experience. It wasn't easy. It wasn't fun. But it has. I completely know what you mean. It has helped me transform to what I think is a better human being, and, and I think living at a higher, more appreciative level of the rest of my life. Mm-hmm, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes you realize that the people who are really, truly a part of your family and your network and your, your support system and your resilience circle, they're going to be there for you. Uh, it took me some time because there was awkwardness there. Um, but the people, you know, the people that are going to be there and who love you and support you regardless of what's happening, they're still going to show up and they're going to be in your life, uh, even though your relationship may be a little bit different. Yes. And then there's the, the new wonderful complement of people that come into your path that you would have never imagined or never predicted. Indeed. And I would tell you now that so the title of my chapter in uh, Dreaming Big, Being Bold is The Other Side, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But part of what I know now by being on the other side of that pain is I actually needed to create that space by letting go of some of the old things that didn't serve me and the old relationships that didn't serve me and the new relationships and new things that have come into my life because I was able to create that space um, serve my purpose and, and my, my passion to a higher degree than all the years that I, I spent doing what I thought I was going to retire at. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I'm just so glad that I think you found me somewhere. I think it was on LinkedIn. I'm so glad you did. And it's just so wonderful to have you now in my life. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. And, and back at you, you know, I believe in synchronicity. I also do not believe in any coincidences. I, I believe mm-hmm. that everything happens for a reason, whether it's God ordained or whether it's just um, part of the universe telling you what needs to happen in your life. Mm-hmm. But um, you came into my life uh, when I was doing an interview series and, and that was amazing. So mm-hmm. here we are. It was great gobs of fun too. Indeed. Well, 
And that gets me to my next question. There are probably several listeners here who are very intrigued with the idea that you have reinvented yourself. And now you're actually a coach yourself. So I'm interested in having you share how it was you chose to become a coach. Why that? Why didn't you go off and be, go into marketing or accounting or be, become an artist? You, you, you became a coach. Why that? I did. You know, it's, um, it's funny. As I've been in this last interview series, we're talking a lot about listening to your gut or listening to the voice that's in your head that might tell you there's something different out there for you. And um, when, you know, I really had that question, what am I going to do now when I left my agency? And uh, I had a friend of mine, first of all, you know, I was panicked about where's the money going to come from and how am I going to survive? And I'd say, I don't know what I'm going to do now. And my friend said, isn't that interesting? You have no idea what you're going to do next. So first of all, that, that, rephrasing and re-energizing of that statement creates mm-hmm. space again for me to be curious about what could happen next. Uh, then one of the things I did is um, I, I asked myself three questions. What can I do? What am I willing to do? And what am I not willing to do? And, and I realized that if the, the bank collectors were coming to repossess my house or my car, a lot of the things on the what I'm not willing to do list would suddenly move over to the I'm capable or I'm willing to do it list. (laughs) Right. Uh, So that's one. But two, I actually had a little voice in my head that I had heard a story of a friend of mine who said, one day I want to be a life coach. And I had absolutely no idea what a life coach was, but that was rolling around in my head. I have had other friends throughout my life who have jokingly said, hey, can I make you my personal life coach? Can I call you when I need you? Will you be my 2 o'clock in the morning sitting on the ledge friend? And what I realized is there were authentic pieces of me that have always been in existence, even when I was a park ranger, even when I was a manager, that I was putting into the other parts of my job. I, I loved coaching and mentoring my staff. I loved developing people. I loved helping people solve their own problems and find their own power. And I just did that authentically. So literally, on a whim, I looked up coaching in Portland, Oregon. I came across Coach Training World with Master Coach Ferocia Knight, called her up, had a beautiful, wonderful, energetic, synergizing conversation and literally in that phone call, I said, okay, this is for me. I'm going to do it. This is, this is home. This is my tribe. Mm. Mm. I, I need to present something that you said for our listeners. And I know you probably know this because of the work that you do, but it's just, it was so subtle and beautiful when you said just changing the way that you uttered that sentence about you don't know what you're going to do kind of thing mm-hmm. allowed and opened a space for you is what you said. Yes. In my in my world, the work that we do at Insignium, which is organizational and professional transformation, you know this, Diane, that possibility statement is what ushers in the possibility of transformation. And absent that, you can't always create. And that's what you did. You opened a space for yourself. And I think that is so good for our listeners to hear that engaging and enticing possibility into our plan, especially when we're scared like that, can be so incredibly useful and yield something really amazing. Well, indeed, and I think sometimes it's just a question of uh, changing the question or changing how we ask it. You know, what am I going to do next is downfall and, and, and negative. What am I going to do next is open and energizing and inviting and curious. Well, then we can add, what am I going to do next? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? I mean, you could put all sorts of <laughs> gonna, on gonna... parts of the, the <laughs> sentence and, and create all sorts of different options. That's right. That's right. 
And, and it's still, though, there is this one little word there that's really important. There's a couple words, but one in particular that I wanted to make sure we talked about, and that's courage. Mm-hmm. And it came to you when you needed it the most, and you exercised choice in that pivotal moment at the time of your life. And I know those are core components of who you are and what you, you coach from. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, you know, when I left, the, the first part, you know, courage, first of all, it doesn't show up when you're sitting on a park bench eating ice cream and life is good. I mean, it shows up when, when stuff hits the fan and, and when it's hard. But the other part that was really pivotal for me was choice, and they kind of go hand in hand. When I first left my job and I was in pain and I was not uh, wanting to take responsibility for some of the pieces that I owned, the story I told was I got fired, they pushed me out, they pushed my chair close to the door. What I realized later as I started to heal and I could be honest with myself was that that wasn't true. What was true was I made the choice to resign. And as soon as I realized that, literally, Elise, there was a, it felt like there was a softball size wad of power that was sitting underneath my diaphragm in my solar plexus that I literally suddenly became aware of that was mine. It was my choice to leave. And as soon as I started telling the story that it was my choice to leave, it reframed everything about how I started living my life. And it made me realize we have a lot more choice in everything we do. And sometimes it takes courage just to make that first choice to get things started. So beautifully and crisply articulated. And what I'll say is that oftentimes when I'm speaking to audiences, I will say, especially as an identity researcher, Diane, you and I talked about this. Mm-hmm. I tell my audiences, well, guess what? You are the author of your life story. And guess what that means? You get to be the editor, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And so if you don't don't like the way your life story sounds or the way it comes out for you, then edit it. Change it. You're mm-hmm. the one who's in charge of that. And you did that beautifully. Thank you. Thank you. You know, that was, that was really for your listeners. I would tell you that that's the powerful moment is when you get to own something that is yours that nobody can take away. The agency couldn't take it away. The pain couldn't take it away. It was mine. I owned it. I created it. It lived and still does live inside me. And it's amazing what kind of, uh, what kind of things you can start accomplishing when you realize that you have something that nobody can take away. I think of one of my favorite movies is Shawshank Redemption, and I think of mm. when Andy gets put in the hold and he is in his head, he's playing opera music. And he was telling the fellows how he survived was because he had that music in his head that the warden could not ever take away. Mm. And I feel like that energy and that courage and that choice is very similar to that scene in Shawshank. What a beautiful way to take us into our first break, Diane. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We were on the air with Diane McClay, who is a certified professional whole person coach who helps midlife professionals navigate career transitions through choice and courage to make meaningful change. She was also the co-author of Dreaming Big, Being Bold, inspiring stories from trailblazers, visionaries, and change makers. She joins us today from Portland, Oregon. We'll talk more after the break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. 
To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Diane McClay, who is a certified professional whole person coach who helps midlife professionals navigate career transitions through choice and courage to make meaningful change. We've been talking a bit about her own story, her own history of what got her here today, and some of the things that helped her along the way that she now uses to help coach other people along their way. For this next bit of segment here, Diane, I want to talk uh, about the book that you've got a, a chapter in, and it, it's it's again called uh, "Dreaming Big, Being Bold: Inspiring Stories from Trailblazers, Visionaries, and Change Makers." And I love it. It's just it's great. Not only is it a beautiful cover, but the content is spectacular. And one of the things that you say in in there that I really appreciated is that you said if you're not nervous, you're not growing, and that vulnerability is your source of power. That's incredibly provocative. Let's hear a little bit more about that. Well, I can't take complete credit for that. Uh, I work with a life coach myself, uh, Nicole Peterman from Zenred NYC. And when I was in some of the deepest parts of my pain and I had a lot of question about who I was and, you know, why this happened to me and and why I was feeling so much pain, um, as I was talking, uh, my coach recognized that I was at an extremely vulnerable place. I mean, there was a point where you could say the word blue and I would start crying. And, you know, I didn't, I grew up not wanting to, to show that I was crying, not, not wanting to be weak, not wanting to be uh, vulnerable, feeling like I had to work things out on my own and not ask for help. And my coach pointed out to me that at the point where you are feeling your most vulnerable, that is actually where that, that there's an intersection between your vulnerability and your power. And, I, and for me, it's in that solar plexus area where that ball of power resides every day. And, and again, it's reframing how you look at it. 
when, if you don't see it as being vulnerable, but you see it as, okay, it can't get any worse than this, or at least right now it doesn't feel like it can get any worse, now you get the opportunity to say, how can I start making it better? What's one thing I can do differently to start gaining my strength back, you know, gaining my, my reliance on myself back, and learning about how to move myself forward? And so that's what my coach was meaning where uh, vulnerability, it really actually is the source of where your power comes from. Mm, that is incredible. And how I hope for our listeners, I hope they find that to be uh, hopelessly encouraging. And then uh, along those lines, too, the notion that that kind of a place can actually give power to you. And, and, and what you said about just do one thing to move you forward. My coach, Sean Anderson, tells me the same thing all the time. He's been amazing to me. He's always in my corner. And then the other thing that I also want to call out what you said about, you know, you grew up not wanting to show that you that you would cry about something. One of the things that, that we do here at Insignium is when we're talking about especially inspirational leadership, we really encourage people and certainly leaders to be able to delve into and lean into their full complement of human emotion. And how beautiful is that? And so when we can actually show that we're vulnerable and therefore we're authentic and we're accessible, people trust us. People want to be around that, right? And then when we can actually show them when we get moved, touched and inspired or hurt by something, whether that's a tear or just, you know, you're just moved, is incredibly enrolling for people. So I just really want to call out what you said that it's it's incredibly powerful what you're talking about. Thank you, and I receive that. You know, it's about, uh, it's about being authentic, and, you know, we all know that when we engage, whether we buy something or we create a relationship or there's a network that we engage with, there's a gut feeling that we have about whether somebody is being genuine or not. And it's not necessarily about crying or being super raw emotional, but it's about being able to convey the, the weaknesses that you had or the sense of vulnerability uh, in a way that you can, you can connect with people at the same level of authenticity that they have. And I, and I think that that's important when we talk about coaching in particular because we're asking our clients to, to share with us their most vulnerable points. And vulnerability is also a beautiful place to teach from because we all have it, whether, whatever it looks like, we all have it, we've all experienced it, and it's a universal theme that we can all relate to in a very short period of time. Mm, beautiful, Diane, incredible. Okay, so next, what I want to talk about along those same lines, I like very much whenever I can to really kind of give our our, our listeners a a mini package, if you will. And you've got five concepts that you work and coach from that you talk about in that chapter book. And I'd love to be able to treat each one of them if we can. So the first one, of course, is awareness. And if you could talk a little bit about this and maybe tell a story or give an example of each of these concepts as we go, that would be, I think, incredibly useful for our listeners. Okay, we can do that. So for me, especially with my outdoor background and, and being connected to the land, I do a lot of hiking out in the Pacific Northwest. And um, for me, awareness is it's what's going on around you. It's what's going on in your environment. It's also what's going on inside you. But the analogy I like to use is it's like hiking with a map or an interpretive guide. You have some information about what's happening around you that, that helps you get where you want to go. So a quick example would be, a super easy quick example would be is that I don't believe that you can make a change until you're aware that either a change has been made around you or that one needs to be made. So, for example, in my job, there were things happening behind the scenes 
that I was not aware of that was happening. And when it finally got caught up with me, it forced a change. It, it forced a, a divergence in my personal and professional life. Until I was aware of that, I was, I was wandering around blissfully ignorant of, of kind of some of the political things that were going on behind the scenes and some of the expectations that I was not meeting for my managers. So it, it was a complete shock to me when I got the phone call that said, hey, you need to be in your office at 1.30. I need to talk to you. So as soon as that phone call came in, I had awareness. My gut went, uh-oh, this doesn't feel good. I started collecting my personal items, even though I had no reason to believe I needed to. So another quick, simple example is if you go to the doctor and the doctor says, hey, uh, you, you, you're pre-diabetic, you need to start watching the sugar in your, in your diet, you, wouldn't, you may not change what you're eating until you get that information or that awareness from an outside source that tells you that you need to change. Does that make sense? Yes, indeed, it does. Yes. And that's, that's it's incredibly, I, in fact, I had an insight about that for myself, and I won't talk about it now because it's not relative to this, but it just gave me a, a wonderful access to a, an aha for me. Thank you, Diane. That was great. Oh, you're, you're welcome. Great. I'm glad I could do that. Yeah, right here on air. <laughs> that's awesome. So, you know, awareness is you, you have to have it. It's either going to come to you, like my job situation, or you're going to choose it. Uh, another one might be, oh, you know, I, I didn't stick with my New Year's resolutions. I really want to start working out more. Well, my awareness is maybe I need to work out more because my pants don't fit the way I want them to. Okay, now what am I going to do with that information? So awareness comes, it's in, and again, I want to reemphasize, it's like a roadmap. It's happening. There's awareness inside your body. There are people that are kinesthetic learners that have energy and they can feel things. We can see things. We can sense things. We can ask the people around us, hey, what do you see about what's going on? You know, how many of us have asked our, our partners or loved ones, hey, does, do these pants make my butt look big? You know, we, we look for that feedback. We look for that awareness from other people around us. So once we get it, that kind of leads into the second step, which is creating options. Okay, go ahead. Uh, creating options. So it's once our ability to receive information has come in, then we literally get to say, what am I going to do with it? Am I going to ignore it and keep doing what I'm doing? Am I going to create a, uh, an action plan to change what I'm doing? How do I feel about it? Do I want to change it in big strides? Like, hey, my pants don't fit, so I'm going to go run a marathon. Or am I going to do it in little bitty increments like, hey, my pants don't fit and I'm going to go take the dog for a walk for an hour every day, right? We get to start putting options in front of us. And my belief is as soon as you have an option, you have a choice. So for me, I told you I had three questions when I quit my job. What am I willing to do? What can I do? And what am I not willing to do? And I literally just listed anything that came to my vision in those three categories, because what I'm capable of doing might be very different than what I want to do. So then I started going down the list and I started saying, where's the crossover? What am I willing to do and what can I do? And, and will that make me happy? That's what led me to kind of the retail hardware store. Is I put together a list of things that I was capable of doing and then cross-referenced them to the local uh, options that were available to me, and Bob's your uncle, I had a job. <laughs> 
Bob's your uncle. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I've had to explain that to a lot of people. That might be a Midwest term that somehow is incorporated into my vernacular. I think so. Okay. I really appreciate that idea of creating options. What I also like about that is just, you know, the core word there, creating. Mm-hmm. There's something about that, that that that's generative, right? There's that that's that it's energetic and it's just I really appreciate that. And I do think that your model of, you know, what you said before about what am I willing to do, what can I do, what am I not willing to do is incredibly useful. And that also is giving me access to something as well for myself yet again, Diane. So <laughs> This is good. I'll send you my bill at the end of the show. I was going to say, this is good. Um, Okay, anything else you want to say on creating options before we go to make choices? Uh, No, I think we can go right into that. Okay, go for it. Uh, So the beautiful thing about once you have an option is, and I love how you said it's it's kind of a forward-projecting action. Once, you you know, I kind of use an analogy of picking ice cream. You know, once you decide that you're not going to have your favorite ice cream, you now have to go through the making choices part. And choice is, again, I'm going to tell you that I feel like it's really, really powerful. And and I often say not making a choice is a choice. Because you're you're not moving forward. You're saying I'm going to accept the information that I have and I'm not going to do anything about it and I'm going to be okay with that. Or I'm going to pretend like I'm going to be okay with that. So the beautiful thing about making choices is you don't have to do a 180-degree turn. If you make one small choice, like, for example, if I wanted to give up sugar, instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to give up sugar tomorrow on everything, I might say, tomorrow at breakfast, instead of putting sugar in my coffee, I'm going to use honey. That's one small change. Now, if I did that for 30 days, that would create a habit, and it would be easier for me to give up sugar in other parts of my life. But the beautiful thing about options and choice going hand in hand is one begets the other. And I believe that small choices, one degree of change over time leads to big, big dramatic changes. Um, you know, I could, I could cite a lot of different examples, but just for your listeners, think of anything in your life where you wanted one thing to change. Maybe you drove differently to your work. Maybe you ordered something different off of the menu. Maybe you got a different glass of wine because you were curious what it tasted like. As soon as you make one small change, you now have more information that will feed the next change you want to make. That is so brilliantly simple. It's so elegantly simple. It really is. And and I also what I also like about that one too, Diane, is it, it to me there's a connection to the creation piece because when you make choices, you're creating new possibilities again for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's when, you're, when you're going through a big dramatic change, I mean, there were, there were days that figuring out which T-shirt I was going to wear or which couch I was going to sleep on was the biggest choice I needed to make that day. <laughs> and, you know, and it was a tough decision. But you break big decisions into smaller, more manageable chunks, and one day, one day goes by. And it's been four and a half years since, since I had that big pain point that made me feel like my life ended. And it was a series of small, today I'm going to get up and go for a walk. Today I'm going to go to yoga. And now yoga is a part of my practice every day because I made one choice at one point in my journey to try a class. Mm-hmm. And that might get us to our fourth concept, I'm guessing, which you call incorporate movement. Yes? 
Indeed, yes. And not just physical movement, but, um, you know, energy resides in the body. And when we have stress and we have negative emotions, uh, and for me especially, this is something that I've learned, is that my body retains energy in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, so when I, when I started going to yoga, I started becoming aware of where my body was holding stress, not just my shoulders, but my head or my chest or different muscle groups. I started using breath to lean into those parts to give relief to them when they were in pain. And then I started, it, it wasn't just yoga, it was Pilates, but it was moving of the energy through meditation. Um, these are all, I grew up in the Midwest, and that's, all of that's kind of woo-woo compared to what I, what I grew up to believe to be possible. And what I realized is that as soon as I start moving energetically, physically, emotionally, spiritually, um, it became easier to see more choice, and it became easier to exercise um, courage to, to do something completely different. I completely understand that. I know for me, I'm a very physically oriented person. I, I have to have my exercise. But now you've given me a, a few other dimensions about movement there too, Diane, about the energy within the body, within the mind that I also appreciate you presencing for us too. Amazing. And, we're and if, I, clo- if I could add to that, you know, when I, was, when I was a park ranger, I worked outside all the time. I was physically moving everywhere. When I worked in the, the hardware store, I was standing at a register. You know, I, I got excited when I got to run outside and, and load lumber. But not just that part of the physical thing, but when I left my job, the other thing that, I, that took me a while to go back to is to go touch the land and, and go to the places that I used to serve as a steward and, and feel rejuvenated by the land uh, and, and the energy that has on it. So in, in my pain point, I gave up the, the very thing that fed my soul which was going out for hikes, sitting underneath a tree, burying myself in a pile of leaves, talking to the animals, watching the eagles fly by. I gave that up because it was too painful for me to connect to it because I had been divorced from it. And when I started giving myself permission to go back to those places and revisit the things that fed my soul, uh, my creativity opened up, the writer in me came back, um, the, you know, I was able to see the beauty in the world that has always been there, but I wasn't able to see because I was blinded by pain. Two things to that really quick, and then we got to cut for a break. Um, one is, I also see that you're honoring that beautiful part of your past that made you, partly, helped make you who you are in, in so doing that, and so going back to the land like that. And then two, the other piece that I see in that, Diane, is that you're also giving access to yourself through your to your various senses which is so important to to enliven you and to give you new possibilities for yourself as well i saw those two things in what you said as well indeed and i'll just close with this last one is resilience and that is that we're more resilient than we think we are and you know almost there's there's not very much that will actually kill us it is true that if it doesn't kill us it will make us stronger uh, and we'll say a little bit more about that when we come back from a break. I think that's really important. I'm oh, Elise great. Cortez. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Diane McClay, who is a certified professional whole person coach who helps midlife professionals navigate career transitions through choice and courage to make meaningful change. She was also the co-author of Dreaming Big, Being Bold, inspiring stories from tra- trailblazers, visionaries, and change makers. She joins us today from Portland, Oregon. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise. A-L-I-S-E at EliseCortez.com Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Diane McClay, who is a certified professional whole person coach who helps midlife professionals navigate career transitions through choice and courage to make meaningful change. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So before the break, Diane, you were just finishing your fifth concept on be resilient. I just wanted to say a couple things about that really quick. Uh, even just this morning, I was thinking about all the balls that I have juggling right now. And I'm thinking to myself, I only have 24 hours in a day and I need 36. And then I went to what my mom used to always say. And I won't say it the way that she did because we're going to be on air. And there was a, a, a dirty <laughs> word in there. But she used to say, you know, some poor mm, has it worse than you. Mm-hmm. Some other you know, poor person has it worse than you. And I, I always try to think about that, that it is amazing what a human being can actually do. And especially when you consider the spirit that's under that, that actually fuels it. It it is truly remarkable what a human can do. And I really would like our listeners to make sure that you you catch that, that, yeah, it's going to be tough no matter what, but the resiliency cannot be underestimated. And thanks for pointing that out. You know, I've I've heard a similar uh, a, a similar quote where someone said, "There's somebody who has less than you that is very happy with what they have." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that that kind of keeps me going every day to to remind myself. You know, it's everybody's loss and resilience is different, 
but everybody hits a rock bottom. And, and the, the sense of rock bottom and the sense of recovery from that and the sense of climbing out of that and becoming better through that is, is universal, I believe, regardless of what the situation is. Yes, and to allow ourselves to be open to and be, to be transformed by that difficulty, challenge, pain, whatever it is, that's how people become even more magnificent human beings. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. Okay, so for this next section here, this next segment here, I want to talk about how we actually met, which is you reached out to me for related to the Unleash Your Dream Career online interview series, and you featured more than 20 renowned experts who help midlife career professionals create and sustain more meaningful and purpose, more meaning and purpose in the second half of their lives. I, I thought that was tremendous. I was thrilled to participate. Thank you again for having me. For our listeners, how did you get the idea to do that, and how do you go? How did you go about organizing that effort? Because I know it wasn't easy. And it uh, took well, thank you for that, and again, thank you just for your contribution and and bringing the awareness about identities at work. That's what really captured me and connected me to you. Uh, I'm part of the, part of the business mastermind that uh, I'm using to grow my business and to create a new network of people. Uh, it talks about um, creating, you know, I've, I spent 22 years in government where that was a closed network system, and now I'm trying to be a successful entrepreneur in a business that um, people don't know who, know who I am. So one way to do that is it's like moving into a new neighborhood and introducing yourself to the neighbors, the experts, the speakers, the people who are out there who've been doing the work like what you're doing with Work on Purpose uh, and connect yourself to them. And then the second part is that there's a lot to be learned by uh, putting 25 people into a room or 20 people in a room. There's a, a saying that I used to teach with that said, none of us is as smart as all of us. And I really, truly believe that, that when we can align ourselves with people that um, have similar messages to us, similar energy space, similar goals and visions for what they want to contribute to the world, uh, we can move mountains. So that was the second part. And then the third part is to be able to uh, start creating a brand for myself and start putting myself out there as being somebody that people can call and they can connect with about working through career change. Mm. Well, I was really impressed, Diane, with how incredibly well organized you you were in that effort, just all the way through from the beginning of how you reached out to introduce yourself to me, how you conducted the conversation, how you evangelized it using technology, and, and even how you presence yourself. Really, it's really impressive. Well, thank you. And I, I have good coaches. Uh, I'm working through uh, Hardcore uh, Business uh, with Shanda Sumpter, and she's been doing this a long time. Uh, but she has um, a lot of great messages about uh, really if you have a passion and you have a message to put into the world, there's a way, there's room enough in the world for everybody to do that. If you think of the, the billions of people we have, how many life coaches we have, how many radio shows there are, there's a slice for everybody. And if we function with the capacity that, A, I have a right to be there and, and I can be there and I'm qualified to be there, but then that it's not a competition. You know, if you and I were both coaches in the same town, uh, if you got a client that I didn't, I'd be happy for you because it's about getting the information into the hands of the people so that they can make the change and the choices in their life to really, truly be happy individuals and contribute uh, to themselves, their network, and their, their society in a bigger, broader kind of way. So when you look at it from a non-competitive standpoint and you say, hey, there's room for everybody to do their specialty and to do their passion, 
and to make money at it, um, that's, that changes how you can start functioning in the world. You start looking for collaboration rather than competition. Two things to that, Diane, if I may. One is the notion of abundance, right? Just what you're, what I think you're also presencing is that abun- the abundance mentality versus the competitive and there's a single pie to, to pull from mentality. So I, I appreciate that tremendously. And then the second thing that I really want to say is that I, I really think that if you really are if you want to be up to something in life, and certainly if you need some help navigating a difficult situation, I really think it's useful to work with someone else. In your case, you've got a coach or maybe a couple. I have two coaches as well. And, you know, I think that it's hard to uncover and become all we can be just on our own perspective, on our own our own path. We need help. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you try. Again, earlier in the show, I'd mentioned that uh, I, for a long time, I carried the story that asking for help was a weakness. And what I now realize, because I've been vulnerable and because I needed help, I now realize that it's not, it's not only not a weakness, it's a strength. But when you ask for help, and then when you ask for specific asks, like when I ask you to be on the show, uh, you are allowing someone else to step into their passion or to step into their purpose by asking for the help you are allowing someone else to hold their light up so that you can be drawn to it and, and you can see what they have to offer. So when you change it from a selfish, you know, from, don't make it a selfish thing. If you don't ask for help, you're, you're being selfish. If you do ask for help, you are offering someone else the opportunity to step into their greatness. Mm-hmm. And how beautiful is that? Next week we will have um, David Perks on the on the on the on air. He and I just pre-recorded his show because he's in he is in Sydney, Australia, and he was talking about the whole ripple effect, Diane. Mm-hmm. Um, of you know when you do something, when you even call out and recognize someone, what you're doing is you're starting a little ripple or butterfly effect, and how what a difference that can make. And I I completely agree with both of you on that front. Well, and I think it's, for me personally, it's more rewarding. I love, and going back to thing as a kid, I love standing on the edge of a pond and picking up a rock and skipping it and seeing how far I could make it go or how many ripples I could make. And if I go back to, if I invite your listeners to go back to something that they used to do as a kid that gave them pure joy, then coaching in this way and collaborating with people like you on radio shows like this is exactly the same thing as being five and skipping a rock on the pond. It's just a broader scale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Well, we're coming close to the end of the show already here, but if you can, just because some people don't understand what coaching means, and some people have a negative connotation with coaching. They mean they think it means you're doing something bad at work, so you need to be coached. Uh, there, that, that mentality still exists for some people. So can you talk a little bit about your own coaching and maybe give us an example or two without giving away, of course, the identity of your client, of maybe someone that you've helped that you're particularly proud of? Sure. And just real quick to say that coaching is about giving all the power to the client and asking the client what is important to them. And then the coach is the one who holds up the mirror in a non-judgmental space 
and says, here's what I see, here's what I hear, how can I help you pick between these two things, and, and how can I help you align your values to your belief system so that you feel whole in whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, folks that I have helped have wanted to, some of them have been unemployed, and they've been trying to figure out how do they get back into the job market. Uh, a couple people have been trying to cut loose of a job that doesn't serve them, and they really want to find their passion, but they have some fear holding them back about uh, giving up a paycheck or stepping into success. And so the work that we do is really, it, it, it almost always comes down to belief systems and stories and how we can, uh, as we talked about earlier, bring new ways and new perspectives to bring out all of the aspects of who we are as a whole person. Uh, I've learned to think with my heart and not just my head, and that's thanks to my coach. So it's combining everything about what makes you you and putting that in front of you so that you can realize the resources and skills that you already have inside you and you can make the choice to move forward and do something that serves you better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, I can say that the, the coaches that I've worked with, especially Sean Anderson, he, he really helped. What he does for me is he, he holds me accountable to my dreams, my goals, and he, he just won't give up on me. He just won't give up on me. And he reminds me, look, Cortez, you know, you said you wanted to do X. What have you done to move the needle to get to X? I find that incredibly useful for me, mm-hmm. for what I'm up to in life. And so there's lots of ways to get coaching. And I just like to make sure that our, our, our listeners understand that as well. And there's different 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 perspectives, different um, mentalities. I agree with you that mentality and stories have a lot to do with being, us being able to be freed up to go after what we want and get what we want when we can get access to those things to change exactly. them for the better. And I think it's about getting out of your own way, really. Yes. Oh, and gosh, yes. We all need help doing that. We sure do, sure do. Um, and so we've got a little bit of time left. Um, is there one particular person from your Unleash Your Dream Career online interview series that you that you that you really resonated with? Gosh, you know, this particular round, I feel like I got lit up by all twenty experts that I had. Um, I it, it would take too long to name them all. Uh, Peter Fritz from, from Midlife Tribe down in Australia. Uh, he specifically serves midlife uh, people who have, who are trying to rearrange their lives and have more happiness. Uh, Paula Morand is my publisher. She's the one who inspired me to write Dreaming Big, Being Bold, and invited me to that opportunity. Uh, you, of course, with your identity work. Um, Sharon Saylor uh, talked about body uh, body language. Mary Shores talked about conscious communication. Uh, yeah, how, I know Mary Shores. How we can change that. That was really powerful. I would tell you that I feel like I got every interview, I got lit up by somebody different with a different viewpoint and perspective about how we can change, change how we function in our lives to be literally the best version of ourselves every minute. Great. And great way to finish. We are out of time. Diane, you are a treasure. I'm so glad we crossed paths. Appreciate knowing you. Um, Listeners, if you want to get a hold of Diane and just inquire as to how she might work with you, I really encourage you to find her. Diane, really quick, how can they find you on Twitter or via email? Uh, Twitter at Coach with Diane, D-I-A-N-E. Instagram, Coach with Diane. Email is Coach with Diane at dianemcclay.com and that's d-i-a-n-e-m-c-c-l-a-y.com great thank you and join us next week when we talk with david perks of pay compliment about how ongoing feedback can motivate employees and develop their careers around more meaningful work 
See you then. Remember that work is at least one third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. We'll be right back. 